can open to Matthew's Gospel. We'll look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The text is also printed in the bulletin for you on the next page. Um, we're going through a series for Advent, the weeks leading up to Christmas. Um, a series uh, taking us through some of the, the common traditions that uh, are popular in our culture, um, things that Christians have done for a while anyway, and that sort of everybody else has uh, picked up and uh, adopted as their own uh, traditions throughout the holiday season. Uh, things like you see up here on the stage, we've got lights, we've got trees, uh, we've got gifts. And I'm going to talk about feasts for the last one. Maybe we should change it to sheep. Um, but it's a nice illustration up here. Anyway, the passage that we're looking at uh, today, we're going to talk about gifts, Christmas gifts uh, today. And this is the passage that gives us one of the most iconic pictures of uh, gift giving at Christmas time, especially the history of giving gifts at Christmas. It often points back when people are recounting the history of where this tradition sort of started. They'll point back to when the wise men, um, uh, the, the magi, I think is how you pronounce it. I always pronounce it magi, but I think it's magi. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that too. So uh, the wise men, they brought their gifts to the newborn Jesus. So December 25th probably isn't the exact day that Jesus was born, uh, the exact time of year. Uh, the, the magi, magi, uh, probably didn't come exactly when he was born. It could have been up to two years after he was born that they came. But the church chose that date, chose December 25th, uh, sort of settled on it, as the date for the celebration for Christ's birth. That's what Christmas is about, Christ, Christ's birth. And we uh, picked it, it, maybe not entirely arbitrary, picking uh, the dead of winter as the time to celebrate Christ's birth. Maybe that's just a side note, but uh, chose it because it's the darkest time of year. It's really close to the winter solstice. It's the darkest time of year, the coldest, at least in the northern hemisphere, uh, bleakest time of year, but the days are getting longer, the days are getting brighter, everything's looking up from, from here, right, through the rest of the year. And it illustrates the light of Christ breaking in on this dark world, so that's, that's why this season. But when these mysterious men came out of the east, following their mysterious star, uh, they came to celebrate his nativity, they came to celebrate his birthday. Maybe they were two years late for that. Who knows? Whatever. But they came to celebrate his birthday. And they brought birthday gifts for the one who'd been born. It's about his birth. The one who'd been born a king. Born Israel's Messiah. Born the Christ. And so these wise men, uh, they, they worshipped the king better than they knew. Better than they understood. But now, on the other side of uh, all the events of the Gospels... Now we know even better all the reasons for celebrating the birth of Christ, celebrating Christmas. We have more reasons than they did to do it. We, we celebrate the incarnation of the Son of God. I don't think they knew that. Here was actually God in the flesh. But we know he's God in the flesh. Celebrating Emmanuel means we're celebrating God with us. He came to be with us, came to be one of us. And so uh, that's what we're celebrating. God has been infinitely generous toward us in this. He's given us the greatest of gifts and when we truly enjoy his gifts, we respond in kind and we can reflect his generosity with our own gifts. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning from this passage. Um, let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. <clears throat> Father, we pray that as we consider your word, your Holy Spirit would help us, that you would change us, you would not leave us in the darkness of uh, ignorance 
of who you are and what you've done for us. We, we pray that you would uh, illuminate our minds, transform our hearts through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we read and hear now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, Christ. Um, We're not going to talk about everything going on in the passage. Sorry. Uh, uh, we don't know much for certain about these, these wise men, these magi. Some have said they're kings. There's songs about them, we three kings. Right? Some have said that. Uh, some guess that there were three because, look, they have three gifts that they present to little baby Jesus. Uh, maybe they came from Persia. Maybe they came from Babylon, wherever it was in the east they came from. We're not exactly sure. There's a lot of speculation. But... Uh, but magi here, it's translated wise men, they, they were usually, this, this kind of person, uh, was a priest and an expert in mysteries. And this is, this is sort of, you can just read about this in a, like the, the English Standard Version uh, Study Bible, the SV Study Bible. If you have one of those, it gives you details like this. Um, they practiced astrology. That's not the same thing as astronomy. They practiced astrology. They practiced dream interpretation and magic. I don't know what that means. And they studied uh, sacred writings, looking for wisdom. Not just their own sacred writings. Here, apparently, it is that they're studying the Jewish scriptures. Um, so they're looking for wisdom in all sorts of ways. And uh, you see their kind several times in the Old Testament. You see them in the courts of Pharaoh in Egypt. And you see them in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And these, these, uh, these wise men are called on to give special insights and counsel to the rulers. Uh, Daniel served as one of them. Before him, I mean, Joseph sort of acted as one in uh, Egypt, but Daniel in Babylon served as one of the... He, but he was a Jew. He was a Jew in a foreign land. And this is like the reverse. These wise men who came to Jesus, 
They're, they're not Jews, but they're coming to the, the king of the Jews. The wise men uh, were not Jews, and that's a really big deal. That's a huge deal. So much of the story of the Bible focuses on the people of Israel, the people of Judah. That's where the word Jew comes from, Judah. And that's the, the primary focus of the Old Testament scriptures, uh, focusing on that people that God had promised to bless. He promised to bless not just this people, the Jews, but to bless all the peoples of the world through them, through that people, especially through their Messiah, their Christ, their King. And so Israel's King um, was a big deal, going to be a big deal. That's what God's plans were anyway. And Israel's King had, by this time, been a big deal among the rest of the nations already. A big, big news among foreign peoples before. If you go back to 1 Kings chapter 10, it's talking about King Solomon. He's the great son of David. Great King David, his, his greater son, King Solomon, says that he excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them, all, all the, the people in the whole earth, came to this king. Every one of them brought his present Articles of silver and gold and garments and myrrh and spices. Sound familiar? So it was customary when standing in awe before great kings, maybe high up on their throne, uh, standing in awe before them, it's customary to give them gifts, to express your admiration of them, and to praise them as your superiors, even to place yourself at their service. So there's precedent in the Bible for this, for what we see in some way here with these wise men. There's precedent in the Bible. Uh, the great King Solomon, who received gifts from afar, from, from everyone on the whole earth who sought him out. It was a precursor to the even greater king and even greater son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord at his birth, needing no coronation, not when he comes of a certain age, becomes the king Lord at his birth. Jesus was born. He was born king of the Jews. Born king of the Jews. But he received the worship of these wise men from the east. While those in his own country sought to kill him. People like Herod here in our passage and later the chief priests and all the people. His own people turned against him. But here come flocking to him all these people from other nations looking to praise him and worship him. And as these Eastern Magi bring their gifts, they're a picture of all peoples. They're a picture for us, of, of us. Bringing our gifts, bringing our talents, bringing our skills, bringing our wealth, really bringing ourselves, bringing our very selves, laying them down at Jesus' feet to express our admiration for the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews, our king, the king of the world, really. And it's a picture of all people welcome to do that, welcome to come, welcome to worship, and accepted in his house. As the prophets foretold so many times, all the nations would flood into the people of God, all the nations would flood into the family. 
of God, bringing their gifts, bringing themselves in order to beautify the temple, beautify God's house. That's what John read uh, this morning in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah 60, speaking to the chosen people of God, speaking to, um, to Israel, but as they represent all the people of God, speaking to them, saying, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They all come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the hip. So these people, they're not just strangers anymore. They're, they're part of your family. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. And the picture of the sea there, it's, it's a picture so many times in the scriptures of uh, the nations, all the nations, all the Gentiles, all their abundance shall flood in. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. And then you get these names and you get these uh, names that you have to study to figure out how to pronounce beforehand because uh, we don't know uh, who they are how to say their names, these names of tribes, these names of nations who are descended from people, and that's who first had these names, uh, was certain people. They're descended from Abraham, actually, but not through Sarah. They're descended from Abraham through his concubines. It's the illegitimate sons. Not from the line of Israel, not children of promise, according to the flesh, but apparently children of promise through faith. Here come these children, and gifts come with them. It says in Isaiah 60, continuing on, gifts from, from Midian and Ephah. Those are sons of Keturah. You can read about that in Genesis 25. Um, Sheba, another son of Keturah. You remember, the queen of Sheba came to Solomon, bringing her gifts uh, in appreciation for his wisdom. They bring gold and frankincense. They shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. These, are, these ones are sons of Hagar. Again, Genesis 25, you read about uh, uh, Abraham's descendants <clears throat> through Ishmael. Illegitimate sons, if you will. All the flocks of these illegitimate children shall come to you and they'll minister to you. Jesus talked about it in these terms. He said, I have sheep that are not of this fold, Israel, the Jews. Uh, they're from outside and they're, they're going to come up with acceptance on my altar, God says. And he says, I will beautify my beautiful house. So God makes his house beautiful. He makes his temple beautiful. He makes his people. That's, that's who he's talking about. He makes them beautiful when he fills this place with Gentiles from every tribe and nation. That's his plan. That's his promise. That's what he's done. People like us. People like us bringing our gifts, being welcome, being made part of the beautiful house. This absolutely doesn't mean that when we give gifts to God, you come to church and you drop your gift in the offering. You're, uh, <clears throat> it doesn't mean you're doing that in order to buy God's favor. You don't come bringing gifts to God so that he'll look, look on you with favor. It means we give ourselves to him. We give all that we have to him. In response to his favor, in response to his gracious acceptance of us. And that's exactly what's happened in our passage. The wise men didn't come bearing gifts in order to curry God's favor, the favor of the king, in order to get Jesus to remember them, 
when he got older, when he came into power, please remember us here. We'll write our names on the card that's attached with his gold, frankincense, and myrrh so you can remember who we are. He doesn't say, they, they didn't come to get names for themselves. We don't even know their names. We don't even know how many there were. They didn't come to get names for themselves as those who just they give the best gifts. No, when did they give their gifts? It was after Jesus was born. That's explicit in the, in the passage. After he was born. And that's the greatest gift of all. Isaiah 9, familiar language to us around Advent, Christmas time. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. That comes, that comes up front. That's what, that's what happens first. God had already favored them and us and the whole world. He's already showed his favor, his free grace. By sending his son into the world in the first place. To be king, to be the the Messiah, to be the savior that we need. We didn't deserve, but that we need. God has already remembered these wise men. He's already remembered us. He's already remembered the whole world. And it wasn't that Jesus would eventually go on to become someone important. Here he is now, just a weak, pitiful, crying uh, little baby or toddler, even worse probably. But uh, it's not just that he's, he's, he's nobody really yet until later. He's going to become great, and he's going to become a king and a great man. It's not that he was going to go on to become someone important who would do great things and, and then remember those who had helped him get there. Here he was. Period. That, that was the miracle. That was the gift. Here was Jesus. That was the gift of God that preceded all other gifts, that surpassed all other gifts. The mere presence of this little baby, his mere presence, was God with us. What greater gift is that? that is there than that? Any attempt to curry God's favor with gifts after that fact, it would be all wrong. It would be all backwards. And it would belittle the true gift. You don't understand the true gift if, you, if you're bringing your gifts to God and thinking you're going to impress him and curry his favor. You don't understand that he's already given you everything. Here he was, a little baby. So the gifts of the wise men to Jesus, they were just a response to God's gift. Even as a newborn, without much to offer in worldly terms, humanly speaking, this little baby or toddler it's nothing nothing in the world's eyes has nothing to offer even so jesus was god's gift to us and god's gift comes first and his gift comes before any of our gifts any gift we can give can only ever be a picture of god's gift to us in in jesus christ it can only ever be a picture of the gift that was already given the best of our gifts best case scenario it's just a picture of what God's already given to us in Jesus. In fact, God's gift comes before any of us are even in the picture, before there's any world or any other people in existence, because the very life of the triune God, when we're talking about God, we're talking about the God from, from the Holy Scriptures, the Christian Bible, we're talking about the triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the life, the very life of this God is gift Always. It's always gift. Always has been. In the eternal Godhead, before all worlds, before all peoples, before anybody else could receive 
a gift. The Father gives himself to the Son in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Son reciprocates this complete self-gift to the Father, again, in the person of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I know that's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around Trinitarian theology, but um, Michael Downey has a, a great little book. It's called Altogether Gift, A Trinitarian Spirituality. Uh, good little book. He says, what is most mysterious is God's superabundant life pouring itself forth. The love of God who gives and gives again, but is never emptied in the giving. This self-giving is at the very heart of who God is. The incomprehensibility of God lies in the utter gratuity of life and love in God's constant coming as gift. God is inexhaustible gift given. This is who God is and how God is. God isn't just generous. His very being is gift. That's who he is. That's how he is. That's how he exists. Gift given, gift received with thanksgiving and delighted in, and then gift reciprocated perfectly. That's who the triune God is before and above and apart from all of his creation. And that superabundant life, that's mysterious. That's fascinating. That's wonderful, too wonderful for us. Creatures like us, we have to receive first before we have anything to give. For example, we have to, if you're going to be alive, it means you take in a breath. First, you inhale. Then you have something to exhale, breathe out, right? But God is eternally breathing out. There was no first, this one great deep breath that he drew in in order to breathe out. He's always breathing out. He's always giving. It's the very first thing that he's always doing, giving, giving, giving himself. So when God gave his son to the world, which you see here, the beginning of the Gospels, these nativity accounts, when God gave his son to the world, Jesus born in Bethlehem, that's just God being who he is. Gift. Given. Here you go. So the good news of Jesus Christ is full of gifts. The life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, that's the foundation, that's the substance of our salvation with, with our relationship uh, with God. That's the, the foundation and our substance of everything to us. It says in Romans 6, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Ephesians 2, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's the gift of God. So God has given you the free gift of salvation. It's a new relationship with him that will last forever. And it's just to be received like you receive a gift. Somebody gives you a gift and you can't believe it. And you take it and you say thank you. The Father has given his Son to you as a gift, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been given to you as a gift as well. The book of Acts says a lot about the gift of the Holy Spirit in that very language. And Jesus has given spiritual gifts to you. In the the Holy Spirit, you get these gifts. 
to you and all his people he's given spiritual gifts for the building up of the church, for his temple, God, God beautifying his beautiful house as you use those gifts and give your gifts that reflect his generosity and his grace and his character, his nature, his, his gifts. And not only has God given gifts to us, the Father has given us to his Son as a gift. Jesus talked about that. He said in John chapter 3, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. That includes you. You're part of the gift package that the Father's giving to the Son. You're God's gift to Jesus. And one day, you'll also be Jesus' gift back to the Father. That's 1 Corinthians 15. In the end, Jesus is going to deliver the kingdom to God the Father. That includes all of his people. That includes us. He's going to deliver the kingdom to God the Father. And God, this God who, whose very being is gift, God will be all in all. I mean, gifts are just flying around everywhere in the Bible. And they will be for eternity. Like I said in this uh, week's email newsletter, <clears throat> there, are, there are legendary gift givers like St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, right? And others uh, throughout history, they can't match the holy generosity of the true giver of all good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from this Father. So Michael Downey says, again, um, our first response to gift is not to respond, but to receive. And then, without burden of cost, or interest to live freely with the gift, in the gift, and from the gift. God is gift. Your first response is not a response. Receive Him. Receive Him with thanksgiving. Enjoy Him. Fall at His feet in worship like these wise men did. Very wise men. Fall at His feet in worship because He's given Himself to you already happened even to you Gentiles people from the furthest ends of the earth outsiders illegitimate children if you will adopted and welcome then then let his gift life come alive in you after you've received him and rested in him let his gift life come alive in you and renew you in his image. Again, like the wise men who says, after they fell down and worshipped him, then, then they opened their treasures and gave gifts to him. So respond to God in kind. He's given himself to you. Respond in kind with your gifts, your talents, your skills, your wealth, your very selves. Give your, your very selves. Brought into the church to beautify his beautiful house. So what gifts can you bring? What gifts can you give to the God who already has everything? You can bring your help. You can bring your help to others. That's how God wants your gifts to be used here with regard to each other and in our communities, in our homes. You can bring your help to others in various ways. You can, you can show love. You can show kindness. 
through material gifts, like the thing that we're doing with ICS, the Christmas gifts, giving to complete strangers. We've never met them, probably never, never will meet them. You can show love and kindness through material gifts, through service, giving out of your, your very substance, giving out of your very livelihood, giving yourself. You can, you can help, help others. And here's another way to give gifts. You can bring your need to others. Both helping and needing are gifts that God gives to this church. Both contribute to the beauty of this place in the name of Jesus Christ. You might think it's a strange gift to bring to the church, bringing your need, asking for help. You might think it's a strange gift, admitting you're in distress. In worldly terms, humanly speaking, that's not a gift. That's really no gift at all. It's like you're asking for a gift. Maybe you think that only the wealthy have something to give. Maybe you think that only the full and the strong and the great have something to give. A gift. But each one of you have gifts. Scriptures make that clear over and over again. Each one of you have gifts that can bring out the beauties of the church. And sometimes that means just being who you are in your need, in your distress. Asking for help so others can love you, so others can provide, so that this place can become beautiful. Even Jesus did that when he came into the world as a baby. He came just bringing need. So that's a gift. It's a gift you can give. It's a gift that takes a different kind of strength, a different kind of fullness. Being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, which means humility and vulnerability. And that kind of gift really contributes to the beauty of God's beautiful house. So whatever gifts you have to give, if you give them in order to curry favor, if you give gifts, I mean, you can think about this for your children, right? Uh, you give them gifts at Christmas time. They're really going to love it. No, really what you mean is they're really going to love me when I give them this thing. Right? But if you're doing that, if you're giving gifts to curry favor and earn a name, that's just, that's miserable. Sorry. But as a response to God's gifts, if you give gifts in response to God's gifts, as a reflection of God's gifts, as a picture of God's gifts, through faith in Jesus Christ, who is the greatest gift of God, with the life of the gift God alive in you, then your gifts, whatever you give, they're miracles and they're wonders that this world cannot comprehend. So talk about that when you're given Christmas gifts. Let me close with 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat>
Father, we, um, we didn't love you first. It's not that we've loved you first. It's that you've loved us. You gave your son, Jesus, for us. And in doing so, you've made it possible for us to reflect your love in this world and in our relationships, and especially here in the church. We pray that uh, the gift of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, would be at the heart and uh, source of all of our life, all of our energies being spent, all of our sacrifices, all of our devotion, all of our love, all of our gifts to you and to one another, that um, the best we could do would be to reflect who you are and what you've done for us in giving your Son, Jesus, for us and giving your Holy Spirit to us. So we pray that that would uh, be true for us, that we would uh, consciously and deliberately uh, think and pray toward you as we give gifts to one another, as we serve one another, as we exercise the spiritual gifts that you've given us in order to make this place beautiful in the name of Jesus Christ. It's a beauty that uh, may be foreign to us, may not be exactly what we were looking for, what the world would recognize, but it's beauty according to your standards and your declaration. Um, So we pray that you would help us to come bring our gifts, whatever they might be, bring our very selves, and to give them to you and to one another in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.